1: Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get
2: your podcasts. Sunny skies, welcome to this Wednesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up in just a moment, following public backlash, Gwinnett County School District employees will no longer have to report to their work sites next week. So now there's a new plan.
3: Well, we did get some good feedback from, from teachers and support staff. What we're doing is, is really having a rotating plan. Our, our teachers and many of the support staff are going to be continuing to work from home, but they will have available times this week and next week to come in and close out their classrooms,
2: That conversation coming up in just a moment. But first, the latest information as it relates to the coronavirus here in Georgia. As of today, there are 35,245 confirmed cases. The number of deaths statewide is reported to be 1,493. And there are 6,228 hospitalized. That's all according to the Georgia Department of Public Health as of 10 a.m. today. Meanwhile, bars, nightclubs and performance venues in Georgia must remain closed through May 31st. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp made the announcement last night.
4: I know this extension is difficult for many Georgia business owners in communities that have music venues. However, we believe that waiting a little bit longer will enhance health outcomes and give folks the opportunity to prepare for safe reopening in the near future.
2: Kemp signed an executive order permitting summer day camps to open if specific regulations are followed. And also, Governor Kemp gave comment regarding the shooting death of Ahmad Arbery.
4: Attorney General Chris Carr announced yesterday that Cobb District Attorney Joyette Holmes will lead the prosecution. He also urged the Department of Justice and GBI to conduct an investigation into the process that delayed justice. I hold great confidence in joy at Holmes, state law enforcement and the Department of Justice. It is my belief that truth and justice will prevail in Georgia.
2: Now the men facing indictment for Arbery's death, Gregory and Travis McMichael, are still jailed in Glynn County. In related news, the Atlanta City Council formally proclaimed May 8th as a Maude Arbery Day. May 8th was Arbery's birthday. Councilmember Antonio Brown presented the resolution to Arbery's family in person yesterday while in Brunswick. And whereas in honoring his life, we preserve his legacy and keep his memory alive, his ability to encourage and enrich the lives of others and a strong sense of humanity and compassion will never be forgotten. And some Georgia state representatives say they plan to introduce a similar resolution for the entire state, once the General Assembly resumes. This is Closer Look. This is Closer Look, and I'm Rose Scott, and we're in our spring member drive, but please stay right here because we'll keep this break very short. But first, got to let you know that we need your help to keep WABE going. That's because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. So please give right now at WABE.org donate. Joining me is WABE's Alita McCalman, our education
1: specialist. That's right, Rose, that is wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. We need your financial support right now because it helps pay for shows that you love like Closer Look. But today we are partnering with the Piedmont Healthcare Foundation to provide a frontline worker with a kit of personal protective equipment, which is so necessary. Those are items like masks, gloves, gowns, shoe covers. And the Piedmont Healthcare Foundation is an organization that specifically raises resources for Piedmont Healthcare's system. So please help by making a donation now at WABE org donate or by calling 678
2: yes that's wabe.org slash donate and thanks to all the listeners who've already made a financial gift to wabe folks like ann roshall of douglasville and ann says wabe is my exclusive radio station for excellent accurate reporting great entertainment and moving human interest stories thanks for being there for atlanta well, thank you, Anne, for your message and your support. Her donation makes this all possible, but we still need to hear from
1: you. Please give right now at wabe.org slash donate. And thank you. Or call 678 678- 553-9090, five, five, 90, 90. and every day on Closer Look, Rose gives you the essential news and important interviews about the pandemic, and we can only do this with your support. It's why we need your donation. Many of our listeners donate about $15 a month, but please give what you feel you can afford at wabe.org donate or with a call to 678-553-9090, and thank you.
2: Thanks to everyone who's helped us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. But we need you too.
1: please give at 678-553-9090. And thanks. Or at wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. And if you're already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift if you can. It'll really help us out during these challenging times. Make your donation by calling 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate.
2: And thank you. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1. WABE, this is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. On May 1st, the Gwinnett County School System released a new plan to bring employees, including teachers and support staff, back into the buildings in late May. Now, under this original plan, teachers would have been expected to return to their classrooms next Monday and work for about a week. Now that idea drew quite a bit of backlash from teachers and parents, all expressing concerns obviously about health and safety. So the school system has made some revisions, and joining me now to talk more about the new plan and how the district plans to prepare for the fall school year is Dr. Steve Flint, Gwinnett Associate Superintendent for School Improvement and Operations. Dr. Flint, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
3: Sure. Well, thanks for giving me a little bit of time, and uh, with your questions, I think it is important to... continue to talk about our plans, uh, although we know there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of work going on in Gwinnett County Public Schools, and I know a lot of our neighboring school districts are doing the same thing, but uh, in the effort to uh, really get our students what they need, close out the school year well, and and hopefully provide um, some good encouragement to start Mm -hmm. the next school year.
2: This is uncharted waters, so a lot of this is learning what can happen, what cannot happen, the good, the bad, and the challenges.
3: Yeah, that's right. We've, um, we've had a pandemic plan in place for the last 10 or 11 years, actually. Um, it was uh, developed in an effort uh, with H1N1, and uh, as we've uh, really worked with that over the last couple of years and now actually putting it into place, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, don't work. There's a lot of things that do work. Uh, and so we're we're continually looking at that and trying to make adjustments that's best for everybody involved.
2: Dr. Flint, to your knowledge in terms of what you can provide, do you know if the district has any educators or support staff that tested positive for the coronavirus?
3: We do. We have a um, a, a plan in place that uh, we actually put in place from from the start uh, when we uh, knew this was going to be a challenge for us and we do have a um, our office of health and social services Um, we have a group of nurses and a lead nurse that work directly with um, our health partners Um, so our closest health partners department of public health which is uh, Gwinnett Newton Rockdale Mm -hmm. they've been extremely helpful with this um, contact tracing and working with our Um, employees. And so we've been able to follow their guidance on this. And uh, really, as soon as somebody's either identified as having COVID-19 or having a contact that fits uh, any part of that profile, uh, we have a process that uh, keeps them away from work for the specified uh, period of time until they're um, released to come back.
2: Have you had that occur just in numbers? One, two, five?
3: you know our numbers of uh, people that we've been working with uh, has been a good number because you can have as soon as you have one person that's identified as having COVID-19 in a building all of the contacts for that person, and in uh, in our cases that could be 10 or 12 at a time, would be asked to self-quarantine uh, for up to 14 days, depending mm-hmm. on the situation. Um, so right now, the last numbers that I saw um, were in the 30s mm-hmm. uh, that we've been uh, either self-quarantining or keeping out of the building, um, and those are just the ones uh, that are our requirements and that we know about. Uh, of course, people. Um, those are the people who've been reporting to work. Mm-hmm. Um, many other people are just now starting to report back to work, and so they're having to give us that information um, you know, as they come back in.
2: Are you all requiring those workers who are, whether support staff or those who work in the facilities and all the different buildings, are you all requiring that they have some sort of clearance? How are you all, to the district's best ability, being able to monitor folks? Or are you leaving it up to the individual employee?
3: Yeah, the individual employee has some responsibilities on that. Uh, we follow everything uh, with the CDC guidance and our Department of Health partners. Uh, so we feel really good um, not only about that but about the precautions that we already have in place. You know, I think it's important to say um, anytime the employees are coming back into a building to do their work and and we know they've been uh, doing a lot of this uh, work from home and doing an excellent job with that so when we have a time when they either need to uh, come back in or coming back in in more numbers we need to make sure that we're taking the safety precautions and providing Mm -hmm. all the protections that are uh, that are required and that are recommended and of course we're following the CDC guidelines Uh, And continue to work with public health to find out uh, what those best practices might be in addition to the requirements and guidance from the CDC.
2: Dr. Flint, at the time of this conversation, Gwinnett County is third in the state with the number of confirmed cases, and I believe fourth statewide in deaths, and this without any certainty as to when the state could or will experience a decline. Why the initial plan to bring some educators and some staff into the schools were some I say so early here in May?
3: Well, we're looking forward to closing out the school year. Um, one, we've uh, continued to be able to provide education for our students, uh, and uh, that's been happening mostly uh, with teachers and support staff working from home. Um, it's coming uh, this week we're actually in exams we're gonna close out the school year next week and so there is a need to close out the building uh, provide a good bit of um, uh, help in either closing down the school or providing feeding for our students or planning for next year. And we can maybe talk about some of those specifics. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but there is a need for actually people to be in the building, uh, especially if we're feeding students. We have bus drivers. We have school food nutrition people. Uh, we've now fed over 2 million meals to uh, the Gwinnett community and, and the students that are, that are in Gwinnett.
2: Some of your buildings have been open throughout this time. You've had folks in and out, just for clarity here.
3: Sure. Yeah, we, uh, we have had um, uh, individuals working um, in our district office. Uh, we have uh, remained uh, working in the district office. And all of our schools, uh, individuals have been working in each of the schools. And um, uh, the, our school buildings are very large. Uh, we've put in a number of precautions Uh, we're following all the CDC guidance on social distancing and and PPE to make sure that um, the individuals that are working uh, have access to that Um, but um, the principals have been working in the schools uh, some of the support staff uh, to help continue what we've been able to provide and probably most important is the education to Mm -hmm. students Um, throughout the rest of this school year. I think second to that, and and really very important, um, is that we have been able to provide at 67 of our schools um, a feeding program Mm -hmm. that not only has happened at the school where we've been able to pass out meals at the local school, but we've had bus drivers take all of those meals out into the community for those uh, clusters um, that are identified and that fit with what we um, the program that we use is Seamless Summer uh, to help provide that feeding uh, with federal funding, and so it does take people to to do that work uh, and to prepare the meals and to drive the buses and to mm-hmm. set the routes and and uh, and to do that. I I would also maybe mention the last couple of weeks we've uh, been working on. Our our high schools providing graduation uh, virtually to our students. Mm-hmm. So there was a good bit of information that uh, um, we needed to pass out and give to the students. Uh, they were able to come and to receive their caps and gowns, uh, and send us back information with pictures. And so we're currently working on finalizing our virtual graduations uh, that will happen um, over Memorial Day weekend. And so, you know, the the that does take filming. We have mm-hmm. um, individuals that came into the schools, uh, salutatory and valedictorians, uh, the principals to do their speeches.
2: The voice you hear is Dr. Steve Flint. He's the Gwinnett associate superintendent for school improvement and operations, and we're talking about the school's current plan for closing out the school year and also preparing for the next school year. So, Dr. Flint, let's talk about the new plan. So. Teachers will not be returning to school as scheduled on May 18th, and what revisions have you all made now?
3: Right. Well, we did get some good feedback from, from teachers and support staff. Uh, what we're doing is, uh, is really having a rotating plan. Our, our teachers and many of the support staff are going to be continuing to work from home, uh, but they will have available times this week and next week, uh, to come in and close out their classrooms, uh, we're providing opportunities for students uh, to pick up needed materials. Uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of next week, we're going to be providing information um, on grades and on uh, a students' ability to continue uh, working uh, over the summer, uh, it, whether it's a required or optional summer school program. Um, and then the schedules for starting back the school year and and I thought you uh, you said that very well in that uh, at this time things do keep changing pretty frequently as far as the guidance that we're hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have a, a clear plan uh, for opening back up. Even though we have a plan, you know, that is going to probably be adjusted uh, based on information that we continue to get from public health, from CDC, as well as the numbers uh, of you know, the uh, COVID-19 across the county and state.
2: And Dr. Flint, for those educators or support staff, employees who make the decision that they do want to come back to close out their classrooms or pick up materials, you are requiring everyone have masks and gloves, and if they don't, will the district provide that?
3: Our requirements are the uh, requirements uh, from the CDC and public health uh, we are providing uh, the PPE, so we are providing gloves and masks. Um, uh, we have uh, sent very specific information on some things that uh, we're asking schools not to do, so such as uh, gathering in any large groups over 10, uh, maintaining uh, uh, large social distancing spaces. And as you know, our our schools are extremely large, and um, so we do have a lot of uh, ways to spread out uh, as far as staff as they come in some of the specifics and depending on the school um, we have uh, entrance doors uh, where there's very minimal touch exit doors that are minimal touch so Uh, there's one-way hallways in some cases if the hallways aren't extremely large Mm -hmm. Um, teachers when they come in staying in in their individual classrooms or the support staff staying in their offices Um, most all of our meetings uh, we're uh, using zoom or we're using uh, microsoft teams those have been extremely useful tools and so those are just some of the ways where we're combating uh, people having to come together Uh, closely and minimizing areas uh, that maybe multiple people would uh, gather in or, or have high touch areas in.
2: And Dr. Flint, if a Gwinnett County Schools employee does not feel comfortable returning to the building, whether they be an educator, support staff, what have you, you all are honoring that?
3: Right. They just need to work with their direct supervisor or principal to work through that so they can continue to work from home and finish out uh, any of the requirements for the for the work year or the school year. Of course, we have uh, many different types of employees that uh, that work in the school district. So, uh, teachers will end their contract at the end of next week, uh, prior to Memorial Day, um, and then we'll be looking to providing uh, to to provide summer school for students over the summer uh, with a couple of different plans uh, to provide that, and then starting back up uh, the school year. Uh, However, that might look next year, uh, working on a plan to make sure that we're ready for students, uh, whether we are coming back into the building, uh, whether it's maybe a rotating schedule or even uh, whether we have to start digitally.
2: That decision will be made based on, I guess, whatever the conditions are as it relates to this COVID-19 pandemic, huh?
3: right and um, you know we uh, typically held summer school for all of our students uh, in uh, elementary through high school in june Uh, and we have revised that already the only summer school that we're providing in in the month of june is going to be our um, high school summer school options Uh, and we have a number of different options uh, but they're all online Uh, so our um... Online campus, our Gwinnett Online Campus is providing two sessions this year instead of one uh, for our summer school programs, so students can can take classes through that. Uh, We also are continuing to provide credit recovery. So a student who may not have been successful in a course either either this semester or even previous semesters, uh, students have the need to make up those credits required for graduation, and, and we're able to provide that uh, through a facilitator at the school. We're continuing uh, also our community school programs for uh, summer programming, uh, although it'll all be um, online, and so driver's education. Uh, is a good example of that. Or if uh, incoming students um, uh, or existing students uh, want to take health and PE, many of our schools are are providing that. So there's those are a few of the examples that mm-hmm. we're providing in the month of June. Uh, we yes, are yes. Plan-
2: please have those teenagers take the online <laughs> driving.
3: <laughs> That's right. Uh, we <laughs> I think you've heard a lot about that on the news. Yes. But, uh, we're doing we're doing our part on the. <laughs> On the <laughs> online training, uh, parents will have to provide the, the actual driving for their
2: students. Every little so, bit helps, Dr. Flint. Every <laughs> little bit helps.
3: That's right. I've got some teenagers myself, so I know how important that is.
2: Dr. Flint, Gwinnett County School District is, I believe, the largest school district in the state of Georgia. You all also provide education for a number of students with English as a second language. Right. You all have a... We all know the plight of some students, as I mentioned earlier in K through 12, and public education and all those circumstances in terms of households. If it gets to a point where you all may have to start the school year online, and given the connectivity issues for a lot of folks, whether it be because of the household income, can you all provide that online education for every student in the Gwinnett County School District if it comes to that this fall?
3: That's a, that it, one, it's a good question, and two, it's one that we've wrestled with uh, from the start of uh, having to learn digitally. And I would say um, right after March 12th, when we, when we went to an online uh, learning platform, uh, we weren't uh, 100% sure what it would look like to close out the school year. As a matter of fact, you'll recall uh, we were uh, planning one week at a time, Because what we didn't want to do at that time was to say that we could uh, very effectively finish the school year digitally uh, if we didn't know that we were going to be able to do that. And so after the first week of uh, digital learning, and this is something that we have uh, been planning on for, uh, well, in earnest the last 10 years, but really the use of technology uh, since the late 90s, um, we weren't sure what the platforms were going to do. And so at the end of that first week, we were very confident that we were going to be able to finish the school year um, with the platforms that we had and the access for uh, teachers to be able to provide that engaging instruction to students at home. Now, that doesn't at all match what a face-to-face teacher environment would do but it's what we had Mm -hmm. at the time and I just have to say before we get into that next year um, the people who made that happen were the teachers or the administrators that were providing the support the support staff on the back end uh, and the parents and as well as the students Um, it was a heavy lift for everybody involved and I just can't say enough about our teaching staff and how much they've learned from the onset of this. um, That first week it probably didn't look um, like it does today because Mm -hmm. as we go through weeks and weeks of digital learning, uh, we continue to learn, we continue to add to our toolbox, and we continue to get better at it. So um, I will say we've had over 90 percent of our students who have been able to access the online resources uh... in one way or the other there and there's a lot of challenges there there are some students that probably don't have uh... the best devices or the best connectivity mm-hmm. and so that from the get go was a was a concern and it's something we're continuing to work on I i don't know that i can tell you today that or, or when we go back to school if it happens to be digitally that that will be perfect Uh, What I can say is that we're extremely concerned about it and looking at every option for providing internet access if that's a possibility uh, to students who don't have it. We're actually starting a pilot um, even though it's the very end of this school year with some community partners um, to try that out in uh, one of our schools Mm -hmm. and we'll roll that out into more schools if that works and is very successful. Um, We early on uh, started a process of checking out uh, laptops to students, and that was based on the data that we had. And so uh, I thought it was uh, really important to know what students were connecting with and what they were actually able uh, to do with the devices they had in their home. Once we had that data back, we were able to do a tiered process where we were able to check out uh, those laptops to the most the students who needed them the most. And so that's what we need to continue to look at. Um, We need to continue to partner uh, with as many um, external agencies as possible and businesses. Uh, We've got um, some very strong uh, partners in our internet providers and they're continuing to come to the table to help come up with options to provide internet access to families in homes. Uh because it's not perfect um you know we've yeah we've I have ten percent
2: of your student population that's not accessing the online education for whatever reason, which right.
3: so uh i it is over ninety percent we're still working to find uh you know at what level those students are and aren't being able to access it um, mm-hmm. you know, I do think it's important to note that uh, the school's reached out to every one of the students during this time, uh, made contact with them and their families, um, talked them through uh, what we had to offer. uh, And if they just couldn't get that access, we provided a paper copy of uh, resources for them to come up to school to pick up um, and to take home and to do that and bring it back and turn it in so we could could look at uh, the students' mastery of the curriculum here.
2: What do you hope comes out of this in terms of any changes or changes that need to be made for k through twelve education, public education, and being able to to have those resources for so many students of different various economic backgrounds?
3: Well, I, I think we can all say uh, that we've learned a good bit through this, um, especially with the use of technology and and the changing way to do either business, uh, commerce, or education. Um, so, one, um, I, I do hope that we're going to take a good bit of learning in the education realm out of this. And I know for a fact we've already done that and we've made those modifications. We've gotten stronger over the last couple of months. Um, you know, I think as we, as we look to the future, one very important aspect of this is how important The connection of a teacher and a classroom and a class of students is um, to to education Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we have minimized that in the past uh, but I think while we've been learning digitally it has strengthened our resolve around the need uh, for a very strong public education system uh, that provides the highest quality education to every student in our community, uh, regardless of their background, resources, um, learning style, uh, or, or where they are as a family.
2: And finally, Dr. Flint, you and I both know high school football is big in this state. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a long time since I've been in high school, but those fall sports are football, and I think cross-country and maybe volleyball, is that correct?
3: Right. We've, we've got uh, many of them that are out there, and we're a little bit on hold right now as to what that might look like. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, the Georgia High School Association has been working on that as well. So we're going to continue to work with our, our partners. Of course, we we play many different counties uh, mm-hmm. in, in all of our sports. And so we'll just wait additional guidance. Uh, we do want to get back to that but we want to get back to it uh, in a safe uh, as way as possible.
2: Nothing like Friday night in the fall at a high school football game. In terms of timeline for making that decision, when or if you all will return to that traditional fall school environment?
3: Right, and we have our plan, uh, current calendar and an alternate calendar, uh, we're going to continue to look at those options. You know, I think uh, the more time students are away from uh, their, their education, uh, the more time there is for that slippage. And so uh, not only do we need to get back as soon as possible, but we need to look at ways that we can even remediate or uh, go back and provide review for, for this last year because uh, the last thing we want are students that are not prepared to move on uh, to the next class or grade level. And mm-hmm. so we're committed to making that happen.
2: Dr. Steve Flint, Gwinnett, Associate Superintendent for School Improvement and Operations. Dr. Flint, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
3: Great, well thank you for having me.
2: This is Closer Look and I'm Rose Scott and we are fundraising today because we need your support to keep WABE going strong. But don't go anywhere right now because this break will be short. Just help us if you can at wabe.org
1: donate. And joining me now is WABE's own Alita McCalmon. She's our education specialist. That's right, Rose. Call 678- 553-9090 or go to wabe.org/donate. Your financial support right now will help WABE continue its excellent news coverage, but today you will also help us partner with Piedmont Healthcare Foundation to provide frontline workers with personal protective equipment. And your one donation today will provide one kit for a worker including masks, gowns, gloves, and shoe covers. So please help us by making a donation now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090.
2: wabe.org slash
1: donate or 678-553-9090.
2: Thinking back over the past two months, well, we've done a lot here at WABE. We're now producing a podcast called Did You Wash Your Hands? And we created a national call-in show on Saturdays called America Amplified, Life, Community, and COVID-19. Your donation right now will help us continue this important programming.
1: So give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Or call 678 678- 553-9090. You know how much you can give, but if you're able to make a contribution of $1,200 or more, you will become a Cornerstone member, and your generosity will allow us to deliver great programming, and we can continue to be a trusted source of information. So please give as you are able to. And if it's at the Cornerstone level, you can do so at wabe.org slash donate, or with a call to 678-553-9090. And thank you.
2: Closer Look is just about 30 seconds away. Thanks so much for your help.
1: Please give us a call, 678-553-9090. It only takes a couple minutes to give. And if you can't commit to a monthly sustaining gift, consider a one-time gift of $50 or $100. If you can afford $500, you know what's right for you. Just please play your part at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090.
0: And Closer Look
2: continues now here on 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Like many school systems across the nation, Georgia's K-12 public schools are closed for the rest of the academic year. In fact, many districts are near or have already finished for the summer break. Yes, this COVID-19 pandemic has forced school districts to alter their typical end-of-year logistics, such as something simple as cleaning out classrooms. But there's a good reason for that. Now, early in the program, I spoke with Gwinnett County Schools Associate Superintendent for School Improvement and Operations, Dr. Steve Flint, who shared details regarding the school district's new plan to end the school year.
3: Well, we did get some good feedback from, from teachers and support staff. What we're doing is, is really having a rotating plan. Our, our teachers and Many of the support staff are going to be continuing to work from home, but they will have available times this week and next week to come in and close out their classrooms.
2: Now, the original plan was to bring educators back to their work sites next week, but that changed following backlash from staff and parents. And one of Georgia's prominent educator organizations, such as the Georgia Association of Educators, also voiced opposition to Gwinnett's original plan. And joining me now to discuss this and some other issues regarding schools is the Georgia Association of Educators Chief Lobbyist, Joe Fleming. Joe, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's
0: great to be with you, Rose. Thank you.
2: Before we get into Gwinnett County's new plan, let's just talk about in general what you all are hearing from educators during this extraordinary time, something I've been saying for at least seven weeks now,
0: I think their biggest concern probably is uh, getting their students safely back to class. Teachers don't teach for for a big salary. They teach because they love to help kids learn. And I think uh, a lot of our teachers are really missing the classroom and anxious to see their students again. That on top of the financial condition that, that the state of Georgia's is in and the cuts that will be made to education, I think there's also some apprehension about going forward, fur- furloughs, potential pay cuts, other things that may suffer as a result of declining revenues.
2: You all, the Georgia Association of Educators, some would consider you a very powerful educators association, lobbying and obviously an advocates on behalf of educators in Georgia. What is a top priority for you all now with this pandemic and, and ensuring the members of your organization that they are being heard loud and clear?
0: Right. So, You alluded to this in your comments. My son would be out of school next week for the end of the uh, current school year. So it's appropriate now that we begin our turn turning our attention to how schools will open late summer, programs that will be offered during the summer, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: preparing for a safe learning environment, and then also with the General Assembly reconvening on June 11th, making sure that the appropriate uh, funding is there for education.
2: Well, let's just go ahead and get into that conversation real quickly, because as you know, when lawmakers come back, there may be a lot of attention paid to moving the state forward because of the pandemic. Does your organization have concerns that education may not be in that top five list of priorities for state lawmakers?
0: I think education will be in the top five of priorities. Currently, about 50 percent of the state budget goes to education, K through 12 and higher education. Mm -hmm. So it's a significant priority in the state budget. But the fact is that the governor and the appropriations chairman in the House and Senate have called for 14% reductions. It's a significant hit to education. So it's gonna take a, a, a Herculean effort by legislators to keep schools funded at an adequate level so that our kids continue to learn when school does reconvene.
2: And also, Joe, when the fall comes and and the students are ready to return to classrooms, if that is possible, then there's a lot of concern about where should teachers start for those kids that may not have been able to access learning online? Or should there be a period where the educators just focus on getting the kids caught up, those that need to? Maybe there's some remediation involved. What are you hearing from educators in terms of that?
0: I think there there are legitimate concerns about assessment of students' academic progress during this period. That'll have to be addressed Mm -hmm. in the fall. Grading for the spring semester varied widely between districts, and a number of tests were suspended, such as Georgia milestones. Mm -hmm. So we do have concerns about getting our kids back up to speed and then moving forward from there.
2: Let's now talk about Gwinnett County's original plan to bring teachers and support staff back to the work sites next week. Initially when you all heard this, what did you think?
0: We filed our objections with the Gwinnett County school system. We believed that it was too soon for teachers to be required to come back to school. The Gwinnett County school system eventually walked back their initial policy. Mm -hmm. We did not believe that it was an essential and necessary activity limited to essential personnel only you know, the primary purpose that, that was alluded to was to, for teachers to close out their classrooms and get their belongings well, there's no real urgency for that mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the midst of a coronavirus epidemic so we're delighted that the Gwinnett County school system changed their policy allowed t- teachers and education support professionals to work from home and we can worry about picking up personal belongings at a later time They also had teachers coming back to the classroom to close out grades for the end of the school year Mm -hmm. and that can easily be done online so i think they they listened to us they listened to the teachers they listened to the other uh, education staff and made a change that is more favorable than the initial policy
2: and joe as you know each county is different as it relates to the COVID-19 pandemic, there are more confirmed cases, more hospitalizations, sadly, more deaths in other counties that may not reflect in, in counties in other parts of the state. What is the GAE's stance on what you hope districts will follow in terms of the guidelines in deciding when to bring educators back or even to allow kids to come back?
0: Well, first and foremost, students should not return to the classroom until it's safe to do so as we move into the summer, there's a long list of things that need to be considered before schools can reopen. Mm-hmm. We talked about tests and assessments, but we also have the health and welfare of our children and our teachers and other staff to be concerned with. Will students, for example, be required to wear masks, and teachers for that matter? Will they be furnished by the, by the school system? Mm-hmm. How is bus transportation gonna work? You know, we have elementary schools where we have three kids to a bench in elementary schools. It's virtually impossible to practice any form of social distancing on a a packed school bus. Um, Athletics, you mentioned, is a good good example of how are we going to be prepared to deal with athletics. Cafeteria, for example, changing classrooms. There's a whole list of things that, that need to be considered before schools can be reopened. And we're hoping each and every school district takes into account those many, many logistical issues.
2: You know, earlier when I asked you, Joe, about uh, lawmakers when they return to the Capitol and education being a high priority on their list, have you all been trying to already just talk to state lawmakers about some specifics that you all want to see addressed as soon as possible?
0: Yeah, we continue to have contact with state legislators on a number of issues certainly regarding education funding, the teacher's retirement system, and some other legislation that may or may not come up in the remaining part of the session. Mm-hmm. So we're actively engaged with our legislators, sharing information with them, but also taking information back from them.
2: Joe, I've asked a lot of people this question as it relates to this pandemic and lessons learned, regardless of what the issue we're talking about, but as it relates to education. And you know, many people talked about that if this changes how we educate our kids in this nation, which could include less in-class instruction, which you and I both know is so crucial and critical for not just for academics, but for social and emotional learning and just you know social interaction for kids. So what is your hope in terms of any lessons that can be learned from this pandemic as it relates to education, particularly for K through 12?
0: Well, certainly no one would have predicted this to happen. I think the state has responded fairly well in some regards with their response to the coronavirus. I think a lesson to be learned and acted upon includes, for example, quality broadband access. I think it's also an opportunity to look at some of the waivers that the Department of Education gives to certain school districts in exchange for a a commitment and results showing improved academic success Mm -hmm. you know one of the waivers that the department of education has adopted during this time continues and expands flexibility of school districts to increase class size in fact we we have one county school district in north georgia that's already announced that class sizes are going to increase in the fall that's that seems to us the completely wrong direction to take not only because of the coronavirus and the health impacts of increasing class sizes, but because a higher student-teacher ratio Mm -hmm. is not conducive to improved learning.
2: Here in the Atlanta area, two fairly large school districts, Atlanta Public Schools and DeKalb County Schools. Now, APS just hired its new superintendent, Dr. Lisa Herring. Uh, DeKalb County is uh, still looking. Are you all concerned about leadership during this time with districts? And do you weigh in with districts when when it comes to leadership?
0: We have a staff of six or seven that are in the field working with school districts, superintendents, teachers every day. We believe that teachers and education support professionals should be involved in the creation of any plan to reopen schools. And I think, frankly, that's one of the things that got Gwinnett County in a little bit of trouble was that there wasn't that input from teachers and staff mm-hmm. in developing their plan to, to require teachers to come back to school. So I think by having a seat at the table at some of those decision-making sessions, that we will be in a good position to have input and affect the process going forward.
2: And for the record, you all are in support now of Gwinnett County's new plan. It,
0: or maybe not. It's a little bit light on specifics. The material I've seen come from the Gwinnett County School System puts a lot of the emphasis on the principal of the school to make decisions about how and when staff returns to classroom. I prefer a more detailed plan, but certainly it's better than the original one.
2: Will you all reach out to them, Joe?
0: Yeah, we've been in contact with our local leadership in Gwinnett County on a regular basis and are working through our local members there to affect the process.
2: All right. Joe Fleming is the Georgia Association of Educators Chief Lobbyists. And we've been talking about a lot as it relates to when and if students will return to the classroom along with educators and support staff and best practices when that does happen. Joe, appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much.
0: Great to be with you. Thank you, Rose.
2: This is Closer Look, and I'm Rose Scott. Yes, we're fundraising today, but this spring we're doing it a little differently and keeping these breaks as short as possible. So please help us, if you can, at wabe.org donate. Joining me is WABE's education specialist, Alita McCallum.
1: Thanks, Rose. That is wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. And your donations right now help pay for all the critical news and information that you get on your station. But today, you can also help a frontline worker with your donation. And that's because we're partnering with Piedmont Healthcare Foundation so that each donation that we get to WABE today will provide a frontline worker with a kit of personal protective equipment. And we're talking about items like masks, gowns, gloves, and shoe covers. So please help by making a donation now at wabe.org donate or by calling 678-553-9090. And thank you again to Piedmont's COVID Infrastructure Fund for sponsoring today's partnership. So yeah, it's wabe.org slash donate or
2: 678-553-9090. Thanks to all the listeners who've already made their donation. Folks like David Elwanger in Fairburn. He says, although I'm a sustainer, I always give a little extra each pledge drive. It's more important than ever as thorough and evidence-based news keeps us safe. Thanks to Lisa, Lois, Jim, Rose. Thank you. And all the WABE reporters that keep us surprised of local news. It would be very bad if we did not have all y'all to tune in every day. Thanks a lot, David. And I love the fact that you said y'all. And we can only do this because of donations from folks like you.
1: Please give at wabe.org
2: slash donate. Or call
1: 678- 553-9090. It's important that we hear from people like you because eighty percent of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. That's not a slogan, it's the truth. Many of our listeners will give around $15 a month, but give what you feel you can afford. And you can do that at WABE.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. And thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who's helped us so far during the drive. But we still need a few more of you, so please give right now at 678-553-9090. Or at wabe.org slash donate. And if you donate online, you'll get to see all of the great thank you gifts that we offer to members. It only takes a couple minutes to give, and if you're already a sustaining member of WABE, thank you. And please consider giving an additional gift. We need you, Atlanta. Go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678 678-